hello and welcome to a special edition of plot Trails. this is lane this is meg and today meg is reviewing and explaining to me barbarian's prize by ruby dixon this was published in 2022 uh we did receive a complimentary copy it's the fifth in the Ice Planet Barbarian series, and we uh, read, or I should say, I read the Berkeley Special Edition. So this is uh, the one that includes the special epilogues, etc. Is this and... the last one? No, <laughs> no, there are like eighteen books in this series. <laughs> there are like eighteen books in this series. Okay, before going further, we want to let you know that this is. Uh, going to be structured a little bit differently than some of our other episodes. Well, than all of our other episodes. Uh, because as I was reading this book, I thought to myself, Lane is not, she's not going to want to read this. If we do our normal episode format, it's just going to be Lane saying, this is the worst book of all time. It's It's terrible. Don't read it. Okay. And even I said to Meg when she asked if I wanted to read it and do the episode, I'm like, I think it's going to be a really bad episode. I think it's just going to be boring. It's just going to be me kind of pissed off and, like, angry. Yeah. So we decided to switch up our format. We were inspired by the wonderful podcast Maintenance Phase. If you have not been listening to it, we both highly recommend it. Yeah, Michael Hobbs and Aubrey Gordon sort of think back on diet culture and weight myths and other sort of health crazes in the United States and recontextualize them, especially pointing out fat phobia and other, yeah. you know, societal and systemic issues. And let's be completely honest, they're like 500 times more popular than we are. So probably you have listened to them. Their but audience is less niche. <laughs> yes. Yes. Let's just put it that way. We have a different, possibly a different audience. Um, <laughs> however, um, the way they structure their episodes is that one of them will do all of the research and then present it to the other person. And so that's what we're going to do with this episode. I did the research and I'll present it to Lane. So now, my job is just to commentate. Yes. Uh, and react to what Meg tells me. Yes. I also want to tell you that if you're listening to this episode to find out, um, you know, to hear a non-spoilery uh, review of Barbarian's Prize. That's not what is going to be going on today. So once we do our random number summaries, if you do not want any spoilers, you will want to log off and actually read the book yourself before listening to the rest of the episode. I mean, I do think we usually end up spoiling the Ice Planet Barbarian's books, though, just because there's so little plot. Well, and they, they have been... Let's be honest, we're reviewing the Berkeley Special Edition, but they have been out for like the past five years. Right. These aren't brand new books. They're still on Kindle Unlimited. If you have Kindle Unlimited, you can still read them there, just not the special edition part. And frankly, you aren't listening to a review of the fifth one to find out if you want to read this book. That's a good point. So, um, so yeah. So also to follow the maintenance phase formula, let's do a little bit of housekeeping first. <laughs> we just want to remind you of two things that are going on, two things that you can discover. One is just a reminder that we actually do have merch. So <laughs> we don't do a great job of promoting it, but we do have Plotrist merchandise for sale on our website. There's a link. So if you go to plotrists.wordpress.com, you can see a link to our merch. 
And then the other thing that I want to mention is that we are helping plan a historical romance dinner. It's scheduled for April 28th. That's a Friday night in Alexandria, Virginia. It's happening at the same time as the Apollycon convention. So if you have tickets to Apollycon, but don't have anything to do on Friday night, and maybe you want a little bit of extra historical romance, we do have a dinner. Uh, all of the details about it are on um, our website. If you go to linktree dot, or excuse me, linktree slash plottress, you will see um, all the information about it. And uh, if you're interested, let us know. Buy a ticket. It's fun. Okay. Let's talk about Barbarian's Prize Lane. Okay. Let's read the book jacket lane. Uh, I'll start us out. Okay. It's hard being the most popular girl on the ice planet. The alien men are falling all over themselves to impress me in the hopes that I'll take them to my furs. But they don't know my secrets. None of them do. And they don't realize that behind my smile, I just wish they'd go away. I don't want any of them. I want someone else. Someone with a gorgeous blue body, big horns, and the most intense gaze ever. He's the only one that knows the truth. Maybe with him, I can work through my fears of the past. But I'm pretty sure he wants more than just friendship. He wants forever. And I'm not sure I can give it. I have a lot of questions. Uh-huh. Like, she doesn't want any of the blue aliens coming after her. She wants a different blue alien. She doesn't want any of the blue aliens. So the second paragraph in this is incorrect. Okay. So <laughs> who does she want? She doesn't want anyone. She wants to be all alone. She lives in absolute fear of getting a resonance mate. So why does she, why is it presented as like she wants someone else? I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you about it later, I guess. Okay. So zero out of 10 for this jacket because I don't know what the fuck is happening. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say it's pretty bad. They, And it really doesn't go into the major, major content warning of this book, which is the reason that I knew Lane wouldn't want to read it. Um, and I will let Lane give us her 20-word summary. Because I did make her write a 20-word summary without having read the book, but just with my content warning, basically. I think I, I delivered on the assignment. This book is perfectly designed for my ick factors, dwelling on rape and using sex for recovery and foot stuff. Pass. Now, besides the ick factor stuff, I have to say that Lane's summary is extremely accurate. So here, here's my 20-word summary. It's tough recovering from trauma when professional assistance is out of the question because you're stranded on an alien planet. I mean, I think this whole series could have been called Ice Planet Barbarians Need to Go to Therapy. And that wouldn't have been inaccurate. And the problem is, and we've talked about this before, but the problem is these women are only 22 years old. Right? So none of, there's no one on this planet who has any training in giving people therapy or helping with trauma recovery or, or anything and they have gone through these really traumatic events every single one of these women right right anyway all right so lane <laughs> let's let's be inspired by maintenance phase yet again what do you know about ice planet barbarians so far 
It was originally an online series Mm -hmm. that got really popular and is now being re-released by Berkeley. And you just told me there are fucking 18 books. And it's about a group of 22-year-old women who were abducted from Earth by these evil aliens. And then the alien ship crashed on this ice planet. And they, over the course of the events of the first book, united with the native population of that planet who it turns out weren't native at all but that's a different side plot and now they're all fucking yeah and everyone's pregnant and it's all about babies and they're gonna get infected with these magical parasites that make them able to live on the planet but also in the first book it implied connected them with their soulmates but subsequent books have revealed they just connect you with a breeding partner and it's yeah. unclear if there's only one or if there could be many. Basically, we no longer understand the rules. And we're only five books in. So who knows over the next 13 what changes we'll experience. Yeah. All right. So, that's, you know, you know a fair amount about the Ice Planet Barbarians. Well, let me tell you what Barbarians Prize is about. So the characters in this book, the female main character is Tiffany. And the Saqui main character is Saluk. We have never really met either of these people before. Okay. So. Was she one of the girls who was loose in the ship or was she a pod girl? She was loose in the ship. Okay. She was basically she. Okay. So in this book, we get a little bit of the backstory of the women who were sexually assaulted by the evil aliens on the ship yes there were four of them tiffany josie chrissy and dominique and which one walked out into the snow and killed herself that was dominique okay so dominique killed herself in book one in this book she said that it broke her so she was broken and she killed herself chrissy died in the crash so the only two women who were who were raped by these evil aliens are Josie and Tiffany. And this book also takes place like 18 months after the first book. So we actually have skipped ahead in time quite a bit. And in this book, both Tiffany and Josie are the only human women who have not resonated yet. Okay. So all of the other women have resonated. We got to see four of their stories, right? But that means that there are like 10 women who we skipped. And then now we have to. How are there going to be 18 books? She's going to go back. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Look, I don't know yet, but we'll find out. (laughs) Um, So it's important to know that Tiffany was like the alien's favorite to rape. Yeah. And also, she's now like, so again, there are two women who haven't resonated yet. And so all of the unmated Sakwi men are really focusing their attention on these two women. But really, they're just focusing their attention on Tiffany, not really on Josie. And it's like, we're not really sure why. I'm not really sure why they're all focusing, focusing so hard on Tiffany and not on Josie. And also, just so in case our listeners don't recall, the aliens are not, like, attracted to human women innately. 
Right. Like they're a seven foot tall blue species that have totally different bodies. Like humans, once they resonate are like cute little things to them, but otherwise it's not like they could be like one human is hot and the other isn't. It's like us looking at naked mole rats. Yes. I mean, that said, okay, here's, (laughs) I wanted to say problematic part number one, but it's like problematic part number 50 million. Tiffany is the only black girl. Oh, fuck no. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Yes. So, there you go. Just feels a little bit icky, right? That's extremely icky. And is there any, like, reflection? No. How do we feel Ruby Dixon did it portraying the Black experience? I mean, it's not referred to in any way except for her looks. So right. blind casting. Got it. Okay. Right. So Salak thinks she's Salak thinks she's like prettier than the other girls because she has darker skin and she has curly hair. And then it was, uh, there was this part where she has blue eyes and I was like, what? And then I remembered that they all have glowing blue eyes because of the queen. And I was like, oh, okay. Now I remember. Yeah. So I have to admit, I was like, I was taking it back there. Um, so she, she's the only black girl and I, I, she may be the only character of color uh in the entire i mean clearly know, the entire sakwi are meant to be parallels to indigenous people of color but like they're blue and it's right a thing right but what i'm saying is you know there may or may not be you know an asian girl but there's like one or two you know right. what i mean so you know that's just a little problematic right she's seen as the sexiest of all the unmated women i don't know and then she's really, really highly pursued by these men, even though she's given them zero, and I mean zero, encouragement. Gross. Yeah. She does say that, like, there was one time where she was like, you need to get over it. You could, you should get over your trauma. And she did, like, try to have sex with one of them. But then she, like, freaked out and left. And ever since then, like, she hasn't even, she's no, encouraged no one ever since then. Okay. Okay. So, FYI. Um, also, okay, the reason Josie has a, quite a bit of viewpoint um, scenes as well, which is kind of interesting. Obviously, they're being contrasted, right? Because Josie has basically put everything behind her and she's like, I just want to focus on the future. I can't wait until I resonate. Then I'll be loved forever and it'll be wonderful. Which is not what resonance has come to me. I know. Whereas Tiffany can't get over her past, and that's what she focuses on the most, right? Right. So we've got these two characters who have gone through the same or similar trauma who are dealing with it in very different ways. And not only that, Tiffany has kept the fact that she was raped from the other women. So even though she was taken away by the basketball head aliens... When she would come back, they would be like, did, did they touch you? And she'd be like, no, I was fine. She's basically just like keeping everything to herself. Some of the women may suspect, but they're allowing her to, you know, sure. keep this facade. So, right, these these two characters are just extremely different. The reason that Josie thinks that she hasn't resonated yet is because she still has her IUD in. I'm just not even going to engage with that. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Uh, 
So, <laughs> I just, okay, I just want to tell you that, okay? Done. Okay. Um, so, uh, Tiffany is obviously still recovering from her trauma. Um, she feels really uncomfortable being pursued. She also feels really uncomfortable telling them to back off because she's she's just like so traumatized that she's she wants to get along with everyone. She's like, okay, no one's been raped yet by these people, but that doesn't mean that they won't rape you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's like, they're really pursuing me, but she can't be like, go away. And at least she feels that she can't. Sure. Okay. So, so she's she's kind of dealing with being a people pleaser while also being kind of extremely uncomfortable and feeling like there's a target on her back. Yes. And then she's also dreading the whole idea that she might start to resonate with someone because then she'll be expected to mate with them and have sex with them and have babies, et cetera, which mm -hmm. is like her like literal nightmare. Like this, I'm not kidding. That's how the book starts with her having a dream about being raped. Well, I'm really glad I didn't read this. I mean, I read the first paragraph and I was like, oh, Lane's not going to want to read this. <laughs> that is, I would have shut the book at that point. All right, I'm good. Uh, so, yeah, so it's, it's very stressful being Tiffany. Yeah, it sounds like it. As you might imagine. Okay, Salak, he's convinced that he and Tiffany are meant to be together. Based on what? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's just convinced, okay? okay? He's been watching her problematic thing part million and two is that Salak is basically a nice guy. Okay. So he's decided he notices that she's extremely uncomfortable with the other men pursuing her. And so he's like, Oh, I don't, I shouldn't pursue her. I should just be her friend, but I should be her friend to trick her into having sex with me. Right. Cause she'll think I just want friendship when realize this is um, okay. 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 I know, I know. I actually feel very ambivalent about this because on the one hand, he is respecting her boundaries, right? You shouldn't have to speak your boundaries for people to understand what they are. Um, he's being extremely respectful. He's not pursuing her. He's not doing any of that. At the same time, his internal monologue is like, come on, Quee, start resonating. Come on, Quee, why haven't you started resonating yet? You know she's the one for us. Because then he's like, then she won't be able to say no. She'll see that we were meant to be together once we start resonating. Right. But just the way you had to phrase it. Because then she won't be able to say no. It, uh, yes, exactly. So it's both nice that he takes her feelings into account, but it's also it's like shades of friend zoning it. Right. Right. Okay. So now you know our two characters. <laughs> what happens in this book? Tiffany is like, these dudes need to back off for me. Can't get them to, but she doesn't, again, she doesn't feel comfortable enough to tell them, like, the way to win my heart is by going away, right? Yep. <laughs> and so Josie comes up with this amazing idea where she's going to actually make the Sakui men compete to win attention from Tiffany. And this why? Because the things she's making them do is like leave the cavern. The person who brings back the most game gets this many points. And the person who gathers this many reads makes this many points or whatever, right? So basically she's getting the men to back off of Tiffany by leaving and like being away for the entire day. 
But then she's promising them that whoever wins, Tiffany will spend time with, and that's the opposite of what Tiffany wants. Yep. Okay. And so Tiffany's like, oh, I can't believe you did that. But also, I mean, it is working for now. So I don't know. And the prize is the person is going to escort her to the elder's cave, which is the spaceship. Okay. I have several questions. Yeah. One, is there anything that happened between books four and five that would lead these people to believe that exposure is what gets a queen to resonate? Not that I know of. Okay. Two, what has the elders came? It's just, why haven't they all learned all the languages and gotten the fuck out? You know, I don't know, Lane. Uh, this is a question from the book number one. Yeah, I know. Okay. Okay. So, um, basically, and then here's the other thing, too. So, note that Josie has only told the men who are, like, being most annoying to Tiffany that they should compete for her attention. Which okay. means she doesn't tell Salak. So he's not taking part in the competition. Oh. So I know. So while all the other dudes are off doing like hunting and gathering, Salak is able to spend some quality time with Tiffany. Okay. And she decides that she's finally going to like come clean to somebody. She's going to come clean to Salak. So she tells him, like, what the deal is, why she's uncomfortable. And he's like, what? Rape? No, thought queen guy would ever do that. And, I mean, that is a really nice fantasy, right? That, right. So. Even though all of these saw queen men, even though they haven't forced themselves on her, are absolutely ignoring her boundaries and absolutely think they're entitled to sex from her. Whatever. Yeah. So he tells her about the rape, tells her about her fears. And then she's like, you know what? Salak is this nice guy. I should practice on him so that I, whenever I do resonate, maybe I'll be able to have sex with that dude. Okay. So, you know, they do a lot of sexy stuff, right? Because that's the point of these books. Right? Okay. They don't actually have sex. Right. Turns out, oh, by the way, Salak is a virgin. They all are. Because he was, yes, because he was saving himself for his resonance mate. And so then she's like, oh, I shouldn't, like, have sex with him because then I'll be stealing this thing you wanted to share with his resonance mate. Does he want to wait to resonate with her or is he so sure he doesn't care? So it's actually really tough for him to decide because he's like, ooh, he's like, I obviously want to, like, mess around with Tiffany because I love, like, she's the best. And... He's like certain they're mates, even though who, you know, who knows why. And he does kind of want to, he's like, I can't imagine, I can't imagine really having this with anyone. On the other hand, he's like, well, what if she wants to practice with someone else? I don't want that to happen. So it does take him a little bit of time to decide. Okay. Uh, But then he's like, I would rather have something than nothing. And so they decide to, you know experiment okay so all the days these halcyon days where the other men are off you know do it competing for her attention when salak is actually getting all the attention <laughs> and then one night she has another nightmare and she's like oh i can't sleep so she invites salak into her bed and then they dry hump like all night long i have a question so her response to a rape nightmare 
is to then initiate sexual activity. Well, she just wants him to snuggle with her because she feels safe with him. But okay. then that soon turns into dry humping. Got it. Note, she shares a cave with Josie. Josie is in the cave with her while she dry humps all night long. Poor Josie. I know. And she's like, oh, Josie fell back asleep. And I'm like, uh-huh, sure she did. <laughs> uh, but then, of course, shit hits the fan the next morning because Sala comes out of her cave and they're like, what? And they actually start having a big fight, which really bothers her. All the dudes who'd been out competing for her attention? Yeah. Okay. And of course, she does She does the whole thing. She does like the the um, Peter the Apostle thing where like they're like, just claim him. And she's like, she can't. She she denies that they're together, <laughs> even though they were obviously together. Oh, my God. Okay. I should say she denies that they're, like, exclusive. Well, they aren't. I mean, they're not, even though they should be, right? Oh, my God. So then they have this whole, like, final. It doesn't make any sense. They have a final showdown about a prize to win the prize of walking Tiffany to the Elder's Cave. And Salik loses. And the leader is like, okay, Sal, like, like, he tells all the other dudes to go, like, do some other hunting because he doesn't want anything to happen, like, on the way to the elder's cave. He doesn't want any tussles. But, of course, what does Salik do? He follows them. And it's a good thing that he does because Josie twists her ankle. Oh, Josie and... goes with them? Oh, yeah, Josie goes with them. This is a chaperone date. Okay. Yes. It's <laughs> Josie, Tiffany, and this other dude whose name I didn't write down. Sorry. Um, and it's not Josie who twists her, like, her ankle, excuse me, it's um, Tiffany, which is problematic because Tiffany doesn't want to be touched by anyone except for Salak, and so she's like trying to limp, and there's a lot of issues. Anyway, he shows up, picks her up, carries her. The other dude is annoyed, but finally he's like, oh, fine. <laughs> okay, so they get to the Elder's Cave, and there is weather report and the weather report that the cave gives them is that there's a giant blizzard coming again <laughs> yes okay and so uh josie takes off to tell one camp the other dude takes off to tell the other camp why are there two, two camps because this happened in book oh the two, the two different caves like yeah, the, the two different caves that are like okay yeah. And so Josie takes off to tell one. The other dude takes off to, to tell the other. Salik stays back to get snowed in with Tiffany because her ankle is twisted. Busted. Okay. So she has a nightmare about getting raped. The third fucking nightmare about getting raped in the book. Okay. Third or fourth, at least. But in this one, she doesn't actually get raped. In this one, she throws Josie to the basketball headman. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and she feels really guilty about it. And she wakes up from the nightmare and she runs out into the blizzard because she's like, oh, I shouldn't have let Josie go alone. I should go save her. Of course, like, she's got a twisted ankle and, like, can't walk in the blizzard. And Josie left hours ago. But... I sent you a quote, Lane. <laughs> so, can you read this quote to me? Josie is fearless. She doesn't let the past destroy her. She makes her choices and looks forward to every day. 
If she's not fine, it's because she chose to do something with her life. Me, I'm the one that stays behind and huddles, afraid. I'm so tired of being that girl. I can't keep living this way or I'm going to lose everything. I look into Salok's eyes. He's been so understanding all through my head games. I didn't choose him when I should have. And still he loves me. It's time for me to stop pushing him away. It's time for me to live too. I have to make my own choices, like Josie. I can't wait for life to come and decide things for me. I have to grab at what happiness I can find. And this is the epiphany where she's like, okay, I guess I better fuck Sally. Okay, then. That seems like it makes no sense at all, but we're just going to run with it. There you go. There is, there is the therapy. Yeah, that definitely takes the place of therapy. You're right. Obviously, right? Yeah. She has a nightmare, and then she's like, oh, that that sucked. <laughs> um, so then they're going to have sex. Um, oh, my God, I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you this part. She does decide they're going to have sex, but then she's like, oh, first, I should ride his face. Like, she actually talks about, like, face riding, right? Or, yeah, riding his face. And then she gets all worried because they haven't resonated. And she's like, he's going to think I taste awful. And this is going to ruin him for sex. And he's not going to want to have sex with me. And she actually says, here's the quote, Lane. Here, I'll send it to you. Do I have to read this one aloud, too? <laughs> yeah. I can read this one aloud, too. Maybe we should start slower. Ease into the kinkier stuff. <laughs> And I was like, wait a minute. My eyeballs are so far back in my head right now. <laughs> I seriously was like, what? Yeah, okay. So she's decided that going down on is more intimate than sex. Fine. I know fine. a lot of people who think that way. That's Don't fine. know that I would have gone with kinkier. Maybe more intimate would have been the right phrasing. Exactly. I was like, wait, 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 what? I mean, this is a this is a series about having sex with blue dudes whose tongues are, like, are you know, dildo ridged, dildo tongues, and who have spurs that help a little bit with like a little extra double penetration when they have when they have like doggy style, right? But like the kinky stuff is actually the face writing. Yep. Okay, whatever. You know, it's fine. Then they decide to fuck. Um. And then when he penetrates her for the first time, guess what happens, Lane? Does her quee resonate? Both of their quees resonate. I mean, whatever. I know. I know. All right, so here are some things to mention. Um, a new thing we learned about resonance. Before resonance, saqui semen is watery. So there's no sperm in it? I guess. I'm just trying to understand why that would be a thing. Is it like just because it's fluid with no baby sacqui feti potential? Okay, whatever. I don't know. All right, Lane. I have one. I'm not going to make you read the foot stuff. He has a fantasy about like her feet um, that I'm not going to make you read. But it, it, they don't actually do it, but he thinks um, in great detail about it. Okay. I don't want to know. It, like, 
her feet on him. You want me to send it to you? No. Yeah, her feet on him. Okay, that's nope, 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 nope. I would have gotten nauseous. Okay. All right, Lane. Um, so that's their love story. Okay. I, I okay. I want to have a conversation about how Ruby Dixon has created this universe where con- like consent and like your own agency is sort of erased and she's trying to give that back by now. Like if you have enough trauma, you have to initiate the sex before the resonance can happen. But really it just like breaks the narrative there. There's a lot. So, I mean, here's the thing that I think is really interesting about these books actually, is that they're extremely like popcorn-y, right? Right. Like you're, you're supposed to read them quickly and not think very hard and just like enjoy them. On the other hand, they really do bring up a lot of, a lot of discussion points and a lot of things that you can think about and talk about, right? Right. A lot of things about about the world building, a lot of questions about the consent, mm-hmm. um, a lot of things like that. Because, I mean, what she's implying in this book is that you're not going to resonate unless you're ready, not just like physically ready to resonate, but like psychologically ready to resonate. Right. And for Tiffany who had all choices in terms of her physical agency taken away from her. She wasn't ready until she could sort of know she made the choice for herself. Right. I just, it, on the one hand, I I think you're absolutely right. It's a really interesting conversation topic. On the other side, as a reader who is trying to understand what the laws of the universe are and the confines within which you're working, it's really frustrating to have those laws rewritten every book. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you on that. I I continue to think that this could be, if it were written from a different perspective or in a different way, could be a really fascinating anthropological science fiction book, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's but not she, the point. These are not sci-fi books in the sense that the world building is not the point. Mm-hmm. The world building is just a setting for women to write alien dick. Yeah, exactly. And I think... I liked that about the first book or two uh-huh. because it made the romance the focus and they were fun and inventive. But now that clearly there's such a sprawling universe, the fact that very little attention was paid to actual consistency within the world building is becoming more frustrating than charming. Right. Okay. Before and I'm we, overthinking this book about alien dicks. Before we uh, close this book, I want to send you another quote. This is from Josie's perspective, okay? I'm so scared. I look down, and there's something gleaming in the firelight on the tip of my boot. I pick it up, frowning. It fell out of my leggings. What in the heck? It looks like a plastic little Y of sorts, which is weird. Did it get stuck in my boot from when we were at the Elder Spaceship? But if so, how? I gasp and realize what I'm looking at. It's not from the Elder Ship. Her IUD fell out? It fell out of her vagina onto her boot? What the fuck? <laughs> it's yes. my IUD. You <laughs> would feel it. It's in your goddamn cervix. How did it get on your boot? She didn't even notice. The queen made it come out. She's, I swear to God, there's like a part. I cut it out, but she's like, thank you, queen. Thank you. <laughs> because the reason she went to the elder's ship lane was because she wanted to use the medical part of the ship to take her IUD out because she, again, she cannot wait to resonate. 
okay, well, I'm fine with that for to be her journey. And I'm fine if like birth control does inhibit resonance mating or whatever. Fine, fine, fine. Even if the queer recognize it as a foreign body and in the same way it can repair scars, it can push that, you'd still fucking feel it happening. <laughs> like, I am fine with all of this. Not fine with in the sense that I would have enjoyed reading about, but there would have been logical consistency to like, I feel like I have the worst fucking period I've ever had in my entire life. At this point, I'm worried my IUD is trying to kill me. Like, yes, I both want to resonate and I want to get this fucking thing out. <laughs> and like, she was cramping and like felt it expel. The It is on her boot. <laughs> I know. She's like, huh. That's was she of, naked? But wearing my shoes? leggings. So it fell down to her boot. Her leggings are tight. It's not like it could have fallen down the inside of the leggings. So it's just a giant vagina down. hole. Is it like Victorian underwear? Probably. I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. This is how this book ends. It ends with Josie. And so she loses it her ends IUD. with her IUD falling out. And then she's like, great, now I can resonate. And she literally walks around camp, like, walking up to each dude to be like, are you going to resonate? Are you going to resonate? Probably with, like, her vagina hole open, like her leggings. <laughs> Probably. Just being like, flash the signal, like the cat in heat. Yep. And then the dude, of course, she resonates with the one dude who hates her and she hates him. We needed an enemies to lovers, I guess. Okay. And that's the end. That's the end of the book. I mean, there is an epilogue um, with more Josie, or excuse me, with more Tiffany. But, you know, Tiffany and Sala getting it on again, which is fine, whatever. But the end of the, the actual book is Josie losing her IUD. <laughs> I don't know what the rules of this universe are. I don't know. I don't know. But that's it. That's the book. Okay. So thank you, yeah. first of all, because everything you described, having to read on the page for rape nightmares uh -huh. wouldn't have happened for me. Um, so content warning, everything to do with that. I, yeah. Uh, I'm interested in, like, Ruby Dixon's writing process for these. Mm-hmm. And that, like, I'm wondering when she realized she had to build a coherent universe. Right. Because she hasn't yet. So, according to her author's note, this right around this book is when she was like, okay, this is going to be, this is, like, a thing now. So, okay. I, I'll just say that. So this should be where we start to see some internal logical consistency. Maybe. All right. Well, to our listeners, if you liked this format, let us know, because at least Josie's book is going to have rape in it. I mean, maybe not. She just keeps looking forward, Lane. She chooses her choices. She chooses her choices. <laughs> That paragraph, that whole, like, this is my therapy rev revelation paragraph is really bad. I know. I know. It, it was really tough because, like, I understand when you write a book like this, you have to have some kind of re resolution of that conflict, right? Right. 
Um, and I mean, we literally just read Sweetest Scoundrel, which has its own issues dealing with this conflict, right? Right. Like, it's not like, it's not like Eve has therapy either, but at least in that book, there is a gradual, like, she, you know, meets a dog that she likes and then she, you know, they do these like hands off sexual experiences and like that does not happen in this book right right so i don't know i don't know we're probably going to keep going with ice planet barbarians whether we do all 13 remaining or we pick and choose ones that we think actually provide us with something new to talk about remains to be seen mm -hmm. we are already talking about doing a couple of other short novels in the sci-fi fantasy morning glory milking farm ice planet barbarians vein so you can mm -hmm. definitely expect more of this i don't know how many new things we're gonna have to say about ice planet barbarians so right. we'll have to figure out how we want to work on this series moving forward so if you liked this episode if you liked this format let us know if you want to see more of books like this let us know i think we're always willing to adapt but we also want to make sure the content stays relevant and not super repetitive. Absolutely. Uh, well, thanks for coming with us on this uh, experimental episode. And thank Meg for not making me read this. <laughs> you are all welcome. <laughs>